series on King David, and I can't wait to tell you about that in just a minute, a little bit more about that, but I love to look in the back of the room and start off by looking in the camera and say good morning to the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail, as well as all of the amazing people at the chapel in Scott's Edition. Love what God's doing in our city, and love you, chapel. Thankful for all God's doing in our town, in our season, coming out of 21 days of prayer. And uh, today is an important day because we're launching small groups. We're opening the semester today. And so we're opening opening the group directory. So you can go online, chapelgroups.com. You can sign up, find a group there and get connected. We're also doing group leader training today at 1230 and next week at 1230. So I know the, the, some, the fall kind of sneaks up on us. And so then these next two weeks are a chance to jump in a couple more groups and, and get groups launched so you can be a part of either signing up and launching a new group or being a part of a group. But before we dive into God's word, can we just take a second and pray today and pray over all our groups, all our communities, all the people connecting together? Come on, let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Father, I pray today for all the groups that are launching and Maybe for even the people on the line, not sure if they should jump into a group. And today you're speaking to them and prodding to them. You're putting a dream on their heart for community. And God, thank you for all our amazing leaders and the way they lead in so many different ways. Would you reward them and would you bless them? Would you encourage them? Would this small group semester more people get connected in community and connection than ever before, God? I pray for creative groups. I pray for Bible study groups. I pray for outreach groups, God, for all the ways you're mobilizing your people. We are wide open to that today. So we put ourselves in your hand, God, these groups of people that are going to form friendships and bond and connect with one another. We trust you to do it, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Awesome. Well, we're in a series on King David, and I want to let you know where we're going. Next week, we're going to have Vision Sunday. Come on, say Vision Sunday. So we'll give you some updates on what God's doing in the life of our church, highlight some amazing things that happened this summer, and then uh, cast some vision for the fall. So that's next week. And then two weeks from today, we're starting a series called What About? And it's really based upon the questions you asked. At Easter time, we always do this survey where people fill out questions and, and ask, what does the Bible say about our current events? And so we're going to launch that uh, in two weeks. What about? And then just so you know, this David series will end on first Wednesday, which is, I think, a week from this Wednesday. And we're going to end with David, the worshiper in second Samuel chapter six. And so be a great if you've never been to a first Wednesday. Come on. They're amazing, aren't they? They're amazing. And so, in fact, I wanted to let you know something I think we're going to do in the month of October. I hope this is okay, Pastor Jason. And that is that first Wednesday is going to be launched in Scott's edition and Midlothian. So, okay. So we'll have two first Wednesdays, uh, uh, one here, one there. Always, in, we'll try it in the month of October. So we're so excited about that. I don't know if I let the cat out of the bag early. Sorry about that. But, uh, well, we're going to uh, 
um, kind of start to, to, to conclude this series on the life of David. And, and um, uh, we, we didn't deal with some of the major events in David's life just because I figured you'd heard about it. Somebody said, what about David and Goliath? And I said, man, I just I've preached on that before. I wanted to give you stories you had never heard of, okay? And, and so, so if you want to hear David and Goliath, you can go back. We did that a couple years ago. But I, I want to do this today, and, and that is show you an obscure small group of names that were mighty warriors that came alongside King David. And these are guys, 30 names of them at the very end of 2 Samuel 23 that don't get a lot of play, don't get a lot of talk about, but they were instrumental in David's life in strengthening him. And there's, how many know we were made for community, weren't we? And connection. And David had these four to 600 men that came into his life and were incredible encouragement to his life and surrounded him and lifted him in every way. And I want to talk about that today. But I came across this quote by David Livingston, who was a great missionary to Africa. And he literally asked, uh, wrote back to his sending country and said, are there men that you can send that will come along and help me in missions? And they replied to him, we would like to send the other men to you. Have you found a good road in your area yet? Okay. And I love his response. I want you to see it. If you have men who will only come if they know there's a good road, I don't want them. And that's so good. I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. And so I want to make a challenge this weekend. I'm challenging people who will go if there's no road at all. Okay. People who are saying, I'm not looking for easy peasy, slappy, clappy, happy, sappy, pappy, dappy. Come on. Christian, I, I want to be some, how many know God's looking to raise up warriors, right? In this season and in this day and, and God, God gathers together this group of, of warriors around King David and he sustains David in two challenging seasons of David's life. In fact, when David's on the run from King Saul, God really uh, surrounds him with these men and they, 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 they sleep in caves with him and they watch his back. And later on in David's life, when he's fleeing again from this time from his own son, Absalom, he's got this group of four to 600 men that, that just surround him and support him. And, and I just want to make this statement today because it's true. We do not stand alone, okay? If we're going to be who God's called us to be, we will never be able to do it by standing alone. How many know we need one another? Anybody, right? Community and connection and relationship. And David was surrounded. And I don't think these mighty men get enough play, in, get enough airtime in the church. And so I want us to look at a few names that, that you maybe knew, never even knew were in the Bible, but they were incredible encouragement to David. In fact, this phrase occurs over and over again. We'll be in Second Samuel 23 today. And next to him was, and next to him was, <laughs> And over and over again, this phrase occurs in 2 Samuel 23, and next to him was, and next to him was, and next to him, and meaning, meaning they, were, they were shoulder to shoulder living life. They were shoulder to shoulder in community. They were shoulder to shoulder, shoulder in connect, connection and relationship. And How many know we need one another? Come on, somebody, right? In fact, you know, I read a study this week that 39% of Americans say they do not have even one close friend. There is an epidemic of isolation and, and, and pain and depression and anxiety and insecurity. And it's because even though we're so connected by social media, we're oftentimes disconnected relationally. And I want to say this this weekend that God chooses to work through groups of people. 
In fact, I'm praying that this will be our best ever semester of small groups, okay? I'm going to be a part of two small, I'm, I'm going to be a part of leading two small groups and then I'm going to be a part of a third small group because I'm just so committed this semester to help us get connected in community because we need one another. And I think over the last couple of years, we've gotten isolated like never before. And we've gotten disenfran- uh, just distanced from one another. And, and culture, in fact, culture regularly says this, if you're discouraged, just get in touch with you. And you be you, and you, you're the answer to your problem. But I'm encouraging you today that sometimes you are your problem. Sometimes you don't need more of you. Come on, somebody, right? Just turn to the person next to you and tell them, you're enough for just you. You don't need more of you. Come on, just tell them that. Or I don't even know what that means. But Sometimes we need other people in community and connection and relationships. And David, the whole of 2 Samuel 23 lists 30 of his close guys, but he had four to 600 of men that just came alongside him and did life together with him and helped him and protected him. And as he's at the, in, in a cave of Adullam, he, he has these men alongside of him who, who fight with him and war for him and, and, and are along and we need one another. In fact, I was reading a, a study, a, a lady was telling her story. Her name's Lisa Hoffman. And she was saying she dealt with anxiety and depression for seven years. And as seven years, she was processing anxiety, depression. And finally, she went to a psychologist who said, well, I'm going to give you medication, but I'm also going to prescribe you a social prescription. And she said, what is a social prescription? She said, well, you're going to come into this office two, two times a week and you're going to meet with some other people, but you're not going to be able to talk about your problems while you're here. She said, you're going to have to figure out something to do as a group. So this whole group got together and they came up with this idea. None of them were gardeners, but right behind the medical office there was this kind of abandoned piece of grass. And there they, they uh, decided to turn it into a community garden. And none of them knew anything about gardening, but they got books from the library and started to learn about it. And all of a sudden they started to grow the garden. And she literally says this, as the flowers in the garden began to bloom, so I began to bloom again as well, right? In fact, I am convinced that one of the solutions to some of our problems is not more of us, but is community with one another. Can I get a big amen, right? And it's connection. And some of you, man, you're extroverts. You're going to sign up for 22 small groups. That's fine. Some of you are like, it's, I'm going I'm to sign up for one that meets once a month. Well, we've got one for you. It means you just got to talk to people four times a month. They'll give you all month to get ready for it. Please go. Please go. You know what I mean? Like, you know who you are, right? But we need one another. We need community. In fact, God always works in community. And these men and David had such a special relationship. In fact, David would just think things and his friends would make it happen. Have you ever had somebody who got you, like really got you? In fact, I want you to see it. David, the Bible says, longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water for the well near Bethlehem. So he's, he's sitting there in a cave and he goes, I remember how good the water tasted in Bethlehem. I need some of that liquid refreshment. He just kind of says it. I don't think he thinks his men are going to do it. You'll see why in a second. And look what his good friends do. So three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines and drew water from the well near the gates of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. They literally went 12 miles to get him the water he he wanted behind enemy lines. Now, if my friend said, I really want water and it's 12 miles away behind enemy lines, I'd be like, you are getting tap water today, my friend, right? 
We ain't doing that. But these guys are so loyal to David that they went and did that. And look at David's heart. I don't think David would have even said it if he knew they would do it. And the Bible says, but David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. I love these words. Far be it for me, Lord, to do this. Is it not the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink. Meaning they had a loyalty to him and he had a loyalty to them. There was a connection. There was a community. Hey, friends, we were made not just for a connection to God, but for a connection to one another, right? In fact, I was reminded of during COVID, I was meeting with a group of pastors and church was just starting to open up again. And they said, I'm so afraid that now that we all have experienced church online that no one will ever come back to church in person. They said, church online, it's where people have just gotten used to doing church at home. And I, I, I knew this, I've got my first taste of church at home during COVID. I've been going to church since I was like, I'm the kid who grew up in church. I mean, anybody old school church people, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, choir practice and Sunday school. Come on, where are the people? You know what I'm at, right? You get a gold star, right? Like for a few months we did church online. And here's what I, I, I said, guys, I think the opposite. I think when it opens back up, we're going to appreciate even more. I'm thankful for online. Love you online. You're part of our family every bit. But I'm just telling you, when I got to watch church online, I missed you. And I said, I think the opposite's going to affect. When all this thing dust settles, I think people are going to appreciate being together in person. Like now, How many know there's no, you can listen to worship and sermons on your own, but there's nothing like being in a room of people lifting praise high to God, right? Because they were groups of people that God, that were committed to one another. There was a connection. There was a service. There was a selflessness. There was a loyalty. There was a gratitude for one another. David's commitment to them and their commitment to David was strong. And we need a group of people that are committed to one another. In fact, you know, one of the most often repeated words or phrases in the New Testament is one another. Come on, say one another with me. Come on one another. In fact, it occurs almost 60 times in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, care for one another. And guess what? You can't do a one another without the other. This is deep preaching, isn't it? Like you can't have the one another. And if you're the only there, there has to be an other there to be a one another. I'm kind of ad-libbing. This all wasn't in the notes and it's not going as well as I thought it would, but. And David had a commitment to his men. His men had a commitment to him and in caves and highlands and lowlands and up moments and down moments that continue to be true and loyal to one another. And God did some amazing things. Let me show you one of their names because a few of their names are listed in this chapter. And one of David's mighty warriors, his name is Joshua. You probably have not heard of him before. The Bible says, look at how bad this guy is. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. How many think you want this guy on your team? He's like, I got 800. I'll, I, I, really? You got 800? No problem. He, here's what I think. He, he knew the power of God. In fact, groups of people, I love this, groups of people who recognize the power of God, right? Joshua and his men, even when they were up against insurmountable odds, they understood that God had promised David and his kingdom that land, and they were boldly walking into that. Aren't you glad that God can do anything, right? 
In fact, I believe this, maybe just write it down this weekend, that impossible odds set the stage for God's greatest miracles, okay? And so Joshua, Joshua trusted God and he led forward in God and he, he was able to defeat. And this whole chapter, you can read it later, verses 8 all the way to the end, 31, lists all these men and the great works they've done, the impossible tasks, the miraculous hand of God at work in their life. And man, like you just heard, I, I uh, saw in the video, I'm so proud of our church. We had our best ever 21 days of prayer. And, and uh, in fact, we had our finale uh, yesterday. Man, there's just such a sense of God's presence because we believe God can do anything, friends. Hey, God can do anything. In fact, why do we pray? Because we understand the answer is not in ourself, but in the size of our God, right? That not the size of our problem, not the size. I hear people say, well, America, our country, it's broken. There's no church. As long as God is on the throne and hearing the prayers of his people, we're going to believe for our city. We're going to believe for our schools. We're going to believe for our marriages. We're going to believe for our future. We're going to believe for our health. How many know God can do all things, right? And Joshua looked at 800 and he said, I can do this. In fact, next to him was a guy named Eleazar. And as the Israelites retreated, Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines. I want you to see his passion. And the Bible says, until his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Listen to this guy. He's fighting so long in the battle that his hand cramps and gets fixed. The battle's over and he's just walking around and guys are like... Put your sword down, Eliezer. And he's like, I can't. I got like my, anybody know that experience? I mean, not in swords. You're like, no, not really. I mean, like you painted a long time. <laughs> One time I painted for three hours. No, I'm just kidding. Meaning he literally fought so long his hand. Here's what he had. He had passion in his heart. He had passion for what God called him to. How many know we should be passionate about the Lord Jesus, right? In fact, I'm not saying we have to be wild or spooky or weird. I heard somebody say, if it's odd, it's God. I don't want to be a part of that crew. <laughs> How many know there are some weird Christians, right? If you don't know any weird Christians, I hate to report it to you. You're, you are the weird Christian. <laughs> but I want to be a part of a group of people that are passionately in love with Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think we live in a day where, where, where we ought to be, Romans 12 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I was just reading this week, 1 Peter, where it says, angels look in on our salvation with curiosity, meaning, do you know God receives worship day and night from angels, but angels can't worship God the way we can. Why? Because angels have not had their sins forgiven and their guilt covered by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we ought to be a church that's passionately in love with Jesus. I wonder, Chapel, Chapel Scott's Edition, Chapel Midlothian, Chapel in Chesterfield County Jail, if we could take just like three seconds and just give passionate praise to God this weekend. Come on, let's do that. God, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. He was passionate. And I want you to see what he did. The Bible says that as even other, the other army retreated, look at this, as they retreated, Eliezer stood his ground. Man, when I read this verse, 
uh, a couple months ago, I thought to myself, that is a verse for the day and age we're living in. Everybody else was retreating, but one man said, this is still a cause that God's called us to. I'm going to stand my ground. Well, everybody else retreated. He stood his ground. Not only was he passionate, I want you to see this. They were countercultural. Hey, friends, I just, man, this is on my heart. I've been kind of saying it over and over again as a church, but we can't, we can't move off of God's word and the truth of God's spirit. And I've heard people say, but you don't understand. There's new ways to think and new ideas. In fact, I said to a young adult the other day who was kind of leaning into stuff that I, I said, listen, I'm going to leave the light on. We're going to stick with the old gospel. And you, you, I don't think you're going the right. Listen, I'm just telling you, you can't improve on Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, risen, risen and coming again. You can't improve on God's plan for family, life, sexuality, future, hope, relationship. Well, how many know we can't adjust the mail? We've just got to deliver the mail. And, and Eliezer stood there, countercultural. About a year and a half, two years ago, it was kind of right in the middle of uh, uh, more COVID timey times. And Katie and I were at Starbucks and we were sitting at two different tables. Um, not because we were fighting, but because uh, I was studying and I had my stuff spread out and she was sitting over there. And in between us sat a couple that was sitting kind of in between us. And this was back in the days when you couldn't cough in public. Anybody remember that? It's like if you coughed in public, everyone just looked at you like, are you trying to kill everyone here? And this guy was sitting there with his wife and he had like a spiritual gift of coughing. I mean, he was just getting it for a long time. I mean, like he was working to get it up and just try, just a lot. Like, And I was kind of making eye contact with Katie like, ah, oh, you know. And we were kind of laughing and his wife was just oblivious to it. And I thought, man, I cannot believe the way she's letting him do this. He should go in the bathroom or leave. Like, I can't believe. And I stood up and I walked around and I, and I realized how she was oblivious. She had AirPods in, okay? <laughs> Which is how she probably learned to deal with him. And, and I realized she was listening to something different, not responding to what she was hearing. And I'm just telling you, in this season as a church, we've got to choose what we're listening to. Whether or not we're going to listen to the voices of culture and whether or not we're going to allow social media to disciple our kids or whether or not we're going to hold fast to the truth of God's word and just say, listen, everybody else may be retreating and maybe that's hip and, and, and cool in the way. But listen, all I can do is be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the full armor of God, feet fitted with the gospel of peace so that we may be able to take our stand. How many know we've got to take our stand in the middle of a culture, right? And he took a stand, right? And what happened was amazing. Because of one man's stance, the Lord brought about a great victory. And even the troops who retreated returned to strip the dead. Now, let me explain that. That's kind of uh, like no one puts that verse on their fridge. I get it. <laughs> but it's a picture of the spoils of war is what it is. It's a picture of them coming back and taking the weapons and the wealth off of the, so this is what they would do in the ancient world. And here's what happened. Because of one man's faith, there was royalty given to many people. And I really believe, Chapel, just hear my heart on this, that God's looking for a few faithful people who will stand in truth so that he could bless other people around them. Meaning our kids, our future, our schools, our city, so much 
hinges on our ability to stand faithful that literally other people benefited from one person's convictions. And friends, we need to stand counter-cultural, right? Do not be, Romans 12, 1, conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Can I get a big amen today, right? Okay, let me show you one other guy. This guy is crazy. I can't even believe this is in the Bible. Come on, Benaiah. He was a, a Benaiah son of him, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. Let me show you what this guy did. This is a bad man right here, okay? Look at this guy. He went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. I want him to be my friend. He sees a lion in a pit on a snowy day and he thinks this is the perfect opportunity for me. A lion is captured. Now let me tell you how I see a lion in a pit. As like, don't go in that pit. And he's like, I got you. You know what I mean? Meaning he literally was so committed to the cause of protecting the troops and the king that he was willing to risk his life while he lived a surrendered life, okay? How many know our lives must be surrendered to the one who surrendered himself for us, right? Paul put it this way, I do not consider my life, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Just, I just want to live a surrendered life. I just want to give everything I have. Mark Batterson put it this way. Jesus didn't die to keep you safe. He died to make you dangerous, right? <laughs> Isn't that good? I wish I said it. But it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a guy who looked at an opportunity and he literally just had passion and surrender and trust. And, he, and, and, and that's what I see in the people. I see one man holding the sword and fighting. I see one standing while others retreat. I see one not playing it safe, going charging into a pit. on a, It's not even a nice day. It's, it's a snowy day. I love the author because he was like, he fought, went in to fight a lion. That's no big deal. It was snowy. But... Uh, Here's what I'm saying. God's looking for people who surrender all to him, right? So as he lists all the great things, I want to just show you one more verse because it's a, uh, uh, before we close this weekend because it's, it's a verse that I wish wasn't here, okay? And you could go back and read the text. There's 30 great men, um, David's mighty men listed in 2 Samuel 23. A bunch of names, a few of them with a little bit of... Uh, teaching like I use, some just listed as their name. And one of the ones kind of tucked towards the end of this chapter is a name that I wish wasn't there, one of David's mighty men. And it says, and among the 30, and then it lists this one, Uriah the Hittite. Now, those of you that have uh, studied the Old Testament will know who Uriah is. If you, Here's who Uriah was. Earlier in David's life, he had, he had committed adultery, David had, with a woman named Bathsheba. And her husband's name was Uriah. And you can go back and read it. Instead of just fessing up to his mistake, David actually engineers a situation to have Uriah killed. It's actually a little more complicated than that. He, he, he brings Uriah home from the battlefield to be with his wife, hoping that they'll be together and it will look like his child. And Uriah is such a man of integrity. He sleeps outside his house because he says, if the other men are on the battlefield, I, and he's such a man of integrity compared to David who sets him up and literally pushes him ahead in the military, tells Joab, the commander, to withdraw, and, and, all, and Uriah is killed on the battlefield. 
And when you read the name Uriah, you're reading of a loyal, faithful friend, a mighty man of David, and you're reading of the failure of King David to live with integrity. Let me just say this for a second. I think it's important for us to remind ourselves. There are many great and faithful um, uh, biblical characters, but none of them are perfect. How many know that's true? (laughs) In fact, if you look at Jesus' family tree in Matthew 1, it is a mess. (laughs) Like, like you, you're, you, we tend to think, no, Jesus' family tree would be filled with perfection and wonder. And just, we, we say Abraham. Well, read about Abraham. He had multiple wives. That's bad. He lied, called his wife a sister so that he wouldn't get it. I mean, all kinds of, like, you, we could go through all of them. I mean, just all the greats in history had all these problems. And David was no, was no exception. And literally listed among the faithful of David's men is Uriah. And it's a reminder to us that David wasn't perfect. How many know David wasn't perfect, right? And here's the last thing we need, and it's just true, is we need to be forgiven, right? So we're gonna be passionate, we're gonna be faithful, and we're gonna build community, and we're gonna be surrendered. We're gonna trust God with the impossible. But friends, let's, let's never lose the sense of wonder that we've been forgiven and saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Anybody just thankful to be forgiven? Just wave at me today. Come on, Scott's edition. Wave at me to just, I'm thankful to be forgiven. For by grace are we saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. For all we like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord laid upon Christ the iniquity of us all. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The story of the Bible, believe it or not, is not of David as a great man. The story of the Bible is of David following a great God. And we need to be reminded of that today. Because no matter what the Lord does in our life, we're simply sinners having been saved by grace. It's why the most popular hymn of all time is Amazing Grace. It's not expected grace, deserved grace. Uh, I should have had it coming grace. It's amazing grace. You know. uh, a few months ago, I went to Target with my 12-year-old daughter, Piper. That's her love language. And... Uh, Gave her my, I didn't want to go in and I've made this mistake before, but I said, I'm going to give you my credit card and um, I want you to spend no more than $30. No more than $30. She said, okay. I said, now do you understand there's taxes and, and, and so you need to like figure that in too and like you can look at the, no more than $30. I said, all right. And I said, 30 minutes, $30. 30 minutes, $30, come out to car. 30 minutes, do you think you can do that? I can do that, dad. How many know 45 minutes later, she walked out with three bags. I said, wow, I wonder what you can get for three bags for $30. So I said, Piper, how much did you spend? And she said, I didn't look at it yet. <laughs> She's really smart. I said, you didn't look at it yet. I said, okay. She said, can I just show you what I got first before we look at it? I said, I guess. And so as she showed me one item after another, she would talk about it. And all I would do is kind of guess, guesstimate the value. <laughs> so went through it all, $51. It ends up being 51. I said, 51 is a lot more than 30. And she said, well, I have good news, dad. I have $20 in my purse to pay back. And I said, why did I give you money at all if you had money? <laughs> you little deceiver. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. 
I'm going to forgive your debt. She said, forgive my debt. I said, forgive your debt. You don't owe me the 20. I'm just going to, I told you 30. You spent 51. I'm going to give you. She said, well, can I take my 20 back to Target? I was like, I don't think this is how you're supposed to do it. I'm just simply telling you this. When, you, when David and the author of 2 Samuel uh, describes the list of the mighty men, he includes the name of Uriah to remind us all that as great as the King David was, as much as he was a man after God's own heart and God used him in a big way, he was still just a, a mortal. Even the best of men are at best men, right? Like how many know the best of people are just at best people? How many know there, there are no great people up close, but oh, thank God for a gracious, loving God, for the cross of Jesus Christ that gives us forgiveness and hope and joy and a future and we're reminded this weekend that God had a plan for David and as much as God used them in big ways at the end of the day they were still simply forgiven by God grace of God kindness of God I love Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 it simply says this he saved us he sa- if you wanted me to describe the whole story of Christianity, it's he saved us. And chapel, let's not forget that we're in the grip of grace. Let's not be people that are telling ourselves, no, 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 I've earned the approval of God. I've accomplished something. God's received. No, no, no. How many know we're saved by grace? We're kept by grace. We're entered into eternity by grace. It's simply a father who looked down at the debt we owed and canceled it because of the sacrifice of his son. And because of that, we can have a new start. Would you bow with me all over this room in Scott's edition online? If you're here this weekend, you God's stirring us to community, but maybe that last point just rings true in your life. You say, I'm not even certain, Pastor, of where I'm at in my own relationship with God. Would you pray for me today? Nobody's looking around, nobody looking around today. Maybe you've wandered away from your faith. Never you made, maybe you've never made that decision. Today you'd say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I need to give my heart completely to God. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to get out of your seat. I won't ask you to come forward. But I would love to pray for you today. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand somewhere in this room and say, Pastor, pray for me in Scott's edition. Pray for me. You can put your hand right back down. Anybody here this weekend say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not certain of where I'm at in my relationship with God. Yes, I see that hand. Are there others? Yep, I see that hand. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not certain of where I'm at with God. Pray for me today. Yes, thank you so much. Anybody else? Pray for me. It's God's addition online. You simply pray a prayer that goes like this. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus to die for me I'm not perfect God I've come up short and today I believe I believe that you did for me what I could not do for myself so I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart God raised him from the dead will you save me today would you come into my life would you take away my sin and by your grace would you give me the strength to serve you the rest of my life for I pray it in Jesus name I'm going to turn the service over to Scott's edition.
you're in this room or online and you made that decision, our church exists. We say it all the time to help people come to know God. And so we want to say to you, welcome to the family of God. Come on, can we say that? Chapel together, we welcome the family of God. Proud of you. Proud of you. On the way out, you can fill out that connect card. You can say, I made a decision or I rededicated my life. Drop it off at Next Step or email us. We, we won't stalk you. We just want to send you an email and tell you how you can grow in your faith. But we're so excited about what God's doing in your life. And, uh, and I hope today you'll take a look at our groups. The next two weeks, more groups are getting added every day. Group leader training, 1230. But just taking steps to get connected into community, to find a, a group of people that can know us and we can know them. And, and God's going to do incredible things with it. Would you stand all over this room? And uh, in just a second, we're going to close. But what if we took two minutes and just declared our dependence on God? Could we do that? Would you hold your palm out like this all over the room? So God, we invite your presence into this room. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we trust in you this weekend, God. Jesus.